Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Kick for Atleti. Good opportunity to give a shout to a blog, a, a US fan club of Atletico Madrid called Into the Calderon. Do some really good content for all followers of the Colchoneros. A decent base in the United States as well, following the action on ESPN. Give them a follow. At into the corridor. Time now for another edition of Colch Nero Chat, a Tuesday pod. I am Jeremy Barron, reunited. With Into the Calderon's Sam Leverage. Hey, Sam. Hey, Jeremy. Good to be back. Great to chat with you again. Uh, we're, we have a, a big-time show in store today. A lot to talk about. Uh, so let's, let's just dive right in. Uh, a, a look back at the weekend's Almeria game. A 1-1 draw at the Power Horse Stadium. I still don't know what Power Horse is. Um, but all I know is Atletico didn't win there. Uh, just one win all time at Almeria. That's, that run uh, still in effect after Sunday's game. Sam, you did the, uh, the three things column for our site, as you often do after this game. And, well, there's, there's plenty to, to go into. Where do you want to start in, in analyzing the, the draw at Almeria? I feel like the first place to start is in the fact that the stadium is called the Power Horse, which <laughs> is just... But I mean, there's so many places to start. I mean, I think 
I guess the first place to start is just looking at that lineup and that defence and trying to look at it with both eyes and not covering them in horror. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. As you wrote in in your your column, uh, not not the best starting eleven Simeone has ever fielded. Uh, a makeshift, really a makeshift central defense pairing in Mario Hermoso and Axel Witzel. Neither Jose Jimenez nor Stefan Savage were available. Uh, midfield with Kondogbia and Koke in the middle. Uh, Jeffrey Kondogbia turned out to be a major protagonist in this game. Yorente um, and Lema on the wings and Griezmann and Correa up top. So again, not really a reference point. Atletico down to three forwards following the departures of Mateus Cunha and Joao Felix. Um, and still, Atletico managed to, according to football reference, generate 2.4 expected goals in this game, Sam. Uh, but really, my number one takeaway from this game is that uh, Este Atletico no tienen gol. Literally, they do not have the goal. Rel- certainly relative to a couple of years ago when they won the title with Suarez leading the line, this Atletico just does not have the goal gene. Exactly, I mean... It's funny you mentioned Luis Suarez there because that was my exact thought watching the game. I yeah. was just sat there thinking, we have Luis Suarez. He's scored two or three in this game easily. There were just so many chances that, that fell. And that's what's so frustrating about this Atletico attack. And, and I mentioned it in the three things column as well, was that they're generating chances. It's not that nothing's happening. And, and I remember when I, was, when I was playing, when I was younger, and so it was always... Everything's okay when you're getting chances because that, that means you're in the right positions, you're getting in the right places, you're doing the right things. It's just the finishing and that will come around eventually. Everyone has those kind of bad runs. And Atletico are making those chances. They are getting in the right positions. But there's just no way of finishing it. Nobody seems to have the confidence. And I mean, you look at the attackers and I mean, Angel Correa came into the team. This was his first start since the World Cup. Yeah scored that goal, you think maybe he's going to be a bit more confident, but I think he missed the worst chance of all with that one at the uh, right towards the end, even after Alvaro Morata's miss, when he just hit it straight towards the goalkeeper. It was literally easier to put it further away from the goalkeeper and he put it right into the goalkeeper's stomach. And, I mean, fair play to to Fernando. He made some fantastic saves and he did he did a great job in the Amaria goal, but yeah, let his strikers you know, start asking for more and, and you think as well, I mean, Alvaro Morata is pretty clearly low on confidence. Angel Correa looked like maybe he was going to be in confidence, but again, he's a player who hasn't been starting for quite a while this season at Atletico, so you wouldn't be surprised that his confidence is not going to be at his peak. And then Antoine Griezmann, who, I mean, Antoine Griezmann has been superb this season, but he hasn't been playing as an out-and-out number nine striker scoring all the goals. So you just wonder kind of what's going to change. Do we just need Alvaro Morata to get out the other side of bed and and hope that that changes everything or what's going to happen. Yeah, speaking of Griezmann, he hasn't scored in 17 games uh, for club or for country. Uh, he's gone six in a row without scoring in La Liga, two in the Cup, two in, in the Champions League, and then he didn't score at all at the World Cup despite being one of the best players at the tournament. Um, that's not really the strength of Griezmann's game anymore. He's doing everything else but scoring. And as you said, he has probably been Atletico's best player this season. So I'm willing to give him somewhat of a pass. But those Morata chances, Sam, you got to finish one of those. And Morata, more than really any other player, it seems sometimes in the world, um, he thrives on confidence. He thrives on good vibes and faith being placed in him. It's My theory is that's why Luis Enrique is the only manager in his career, who's ever been able to get something out of him. 
because uh, he only manages him at, at short tournaments. He places unwavering faith and confidence in him. And none of the other managers Murata has ever really had in his career have done so. And he's played under Zidane. He's played under Simeone. He's played under Sarri. He's played under some really well-known and renowned coaches. And he's still putting chances like these, um, you know, out of play for a goal kick. Uh, he misses that header at the back post uh, from a Llorente cross. It just inexplicably puts that wide. Uh, then another chance coming from Urente's side uh, in, in late on with about 15 minutes to go, a little less than that. Uh, if he tries to hit it on the volley, he tries to hit it first time. If he takes a touch, he, he beats Fernando, makes it 2-1 to one to Atletico. They had chances to win this game. You mentioned the Correa miss. And then Jeffrey Kondogbia in the first half with Atletico still up 1-0. Uh, Never mind me, Jeremy. <laughs> Marcos Llorente is about to score a banger from a set piece and make it 2-0. It's, it's going in, but Kondogbia inexplicably decides to jump offside and pop it into the top of the net. Goal disallowed. Almeria then then come down like less than 10 minutes later and equalize. One thing I will say, though, Jeremy, and this is my deepest, darkest conspiracy theorist inside thoughts here, yeah, was I didn't see a replay of that anywhere, which was really strange given quite how ridiculous it was and quite how important the moment in the game it was. There was no replay in the in-game footage. Trying to find a clip of it afterwards, there was nothing that I could track down. And I saw one or two Atleti fans were even more conspiracy theorists saying, was Kondogbia actually that offside? Maybe that's why there's no replays of this. But yeah, a truly ridiculous moment and... I would love to know what was going through Jeffrey Kondogbia's head and perhaps even more know what was going through Marco Chirante's head when the referee blew his whistle. Yeah, oh, or Simeone's head. They all had to be just furious with with what happened. Uh, just a, a real bonehead, low IQ moment from Kondogbia who had really kind of an up and down game. He gets the assist on Correa's goal, although it's really Griezmann who makes it uh, with the dummy uh, Going to going to his left, the you know, the ball played through. Yeah. Correa then finishes it really nicely. Always good to see on how Correa score. Um, but Kondogbia had a really weird game, and there was really this is the kind of player that Kondogbia is, right? He he's gonna turn thirty years old in about a month. Uh, he pretty much is who he is at this point. Like a lot of these Atletico players are toward the end of their primes, getting into their thirties. You know, Koke, Oblak, both those guys are over thirty. Um, you, you kind of know what you're dealing with here. Uh, Kondogbia just doesn't quite have all the tools to be at top number five, but his competition in that role, Axel Witzel, had to play at center back on Sunday because of the injuries in central defense, um, made all the more you know devastating to the setup of the team because the club hasn't bought a central defender in three years. Yeah, and I mean, that defense was just all over the place and... And part of that is on the players. I mean, looking at the the performances that they were putting in, and part of that is also on, on Diego Simeone. I mean, I think I saw you tweeting about it as well, Jeremy, the switch to to the three at the back on about half an hour just before Almeria scored, and it kind of threw all of the balance that they... Well, there wasn't much balance in the Atletico defence before that, but the little balance that there was was completely thrown off because Nahuel Molina came in as this kind of right centre-back and Witzel and Nahuel Molina, it looked like they'd never met each other before. They were all over the place. Al Maria were having fun with it. I mean, they had so much space to move into, they could really pull them around, and, and just nobody seemed to be doing any marking at all. And it was really a little bit 
chaotic in the Atleti defence. I think that was the switch to the back three. And it was strange as well because Reynildo wasn't dropping into that back three. So then Reynildo was kind of the left wing back, but he wasn't really getting forward. And there was one point where Diego Simeone was literally kind of going crazy on the touchline at him because he was too deep and it just didn't work. I don't know what Diego Simeone was thinking. I don't know if he tried it in training and it worked better, but in the real match scenario, it just completely flopped. It's like the third time this year that Simeone has tried Reynildo at left wing back, and on each occasion, it's been disastrous. He's not a wing back. He's not even really a left back. Reynildo is a wide center back, uh, a left-sided center back. Um, and, you know, this attempt to get more out of Reynildo is noble. It's, it's worthy. Try to maximize the, the player's potential and maximize his strengths. But Reynildo is at his best, is at home in an, in a three five two as a wide left sided center back. Yeah, it's like in football manager, like when you when you change tack like midway through the game, like in the fifty fifth minute, and you make like three subs at once. You change formations, and then like the computer just doesn't realize, uh, or like you did you didn't like save the formation right. So you have a center back playing at like left as a left winger or something and it's totally it accidental yeah. that, that's what this reminded me of i have no idea what simeone was thinking here uh you you take molina and make him a right-sided center back uh when defending has been his weakness for pretty much the whole season he, he's gotten a little bit better but you play him out of position you play Vitzel out of position uh, Hermoso ostensibly is playing in his natural position. I mean, I actually think Hermoso had a pretty decent game on Sunday, certainly relative to what we have seen from him in the past. I think he had six clearances, led all Atletico players, um, didn't really make any huge mistakes defensively. But, you know, Hermoso is is still there. there. Says a lot, doesn't it, Jeremy? That we're sat here talking about what a great game Mario Hermoso had because he didn't make any huge right. mistakes. <laughs> it's predicated on how many mistakes he does or doesn't make. <laughs> but that, that switch to the 3-5-2 practically decided the game because Almeria and their very fluid front three, uh, they, they started to find space. Uh, Luis Rob- uh, Lucas Robertone, rather, with a really good cross from deep to El Torre, and he hit this thumping header into the back of the net. Nothing really Witzel could have done. Maybe could have read the play a little bit better, but he is playing out of position, and it was a really good piece of play by Almeria, and it, it was no less than they deserved. I think the draw is probably a pretty fair result. Atletico were not terrible, but they certainly weren't as good as in the Barcelona game. Um, and... Yeah, just well, I, I think we've also seen the last of of Sergio Reguilon, Sam, given his uh, two yellow cards in four minutes there at the end of the game. Well, I mean, it was Mario Hermoso esque. Right, <laughs> weird, really, wasn't it? I mean, he came on and and that instant where he got yellow carded was just stupid. I mean, you know, getting involved in a fight, an argument, um, I don't know if it was defense or if it was what he was saying to the player or the referee, or I don't know, but he got that yellow card. And then he goes up the other end and starts throwing elbows around. And you just think, come on, I mean, for him on a personal level, I mean, to be getting in your, getting into the team, you're finally there, you get your opportunity. And he's been playing pretty well. I've been pretty impressed by him, but that just throws it all away. And yep. it's just a weird one with Sergio Leguilón because I feel like he, he could be the perfect fit, but it's just strange. But I think it also highlights another issue with this Atleti team, which is just that there's no... There are no leaders on this team. I mean, Sergio Leguilón got sent off and then 
pretty much the very next move, Mario Amoso was doing ridiculous things that were asking for a yellow card. And it was like, come on, I mean, where is the the Gabby figure in this team, the Diego Godin figure in this team to be like, oh, come on, don't do that, don't be stupid, calm down. Let, you just got booked, let's not go and throw an elbow at the defender at the other end. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's what's missing in this Atletico team. We've been saying that for a long time, that Koke is a great captain. I mean, Koke wasn't on the field at this point, to be fair to him, but he's not a leader in that sense in the same way. And I feel like that kind of character, that personality, is something that is missing in this Atletico team. Because none of the players have it. If we're looking at really kind of elite-level experienced players, I mean, the only players out there on the pitch who have that are maybe Axel Witzel, but I don't think particularly that kind of character, Jan Oblak, who kind of keeps himself to himself and obviously being in goal it's a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. And then who, who's the next one? Antoine Griezmann maybe that you're looking to, but you don't have that kind of authoritative figure to grab a younger player by the, by the scruff of the neck and say, no, calm down, don't get sent off. And I think Atletico is seeing that time and time again this season. I mean, when we think back to Mario Amasso in the Madrid derby, got two yellow cards in however long it was, then what was the game a couple of weeks ago when he did the exact same thing and got himself sent off with two yellow cards in the space of five minutes to Elche that, that happened against. And now Sergio Reylon's done the same thing. I mean, this is a clear mentality attitude issue. And with Sergio Reylon doing it, it's clear it's not just Mario Amasso, but it's every left-footed X-Real Madrid player that ends up at Atletico Madrid, and there seems to be quite a few of them. It's also the third consecutive game that an Atletico defender has been sent off um, in in the second half, uh, further contributing to what what is already a a defensive crisis for Simeone, uh, given Jimenez is is unavailable through another injury. He's not going to play the cup game tomorrow, which will be his 96th missed game since joining Atletico 10 years ago. Like he he could he's got he's got a plaque outside the Metropolitano because he's made over a hundred appearances. He should have a second plaque for a hundred games missed over his time. It's uh, just an incredible stat, isn't it? <laughs> it? I can't believe it. Uh, it's it's not sustainable. Um, but Atletico keep pushing forward with it anyway. Uh, they they really missed their opportunity to sell Jimenez when Man City and Real Madrid were interested in him. Um, and that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, these days, if you're trying, I was talking to some Atleti sporting friends the other day, and they were saying, no, we have to sell him in we have to sell a Savage. But who's going to buy them? Where's I the mean, market no for them? No club is going to offer money for somebody who plays, what, one, two of every three, four games, and then is out for another two, three? Yeah. I mean, there's nobody who's going to take that risk financially. And you had... Clubs reportedly offering 60, 70, 80 million for Jimenez a few years ago, but Atletico extended his contract and made him a captain, and he has no interest in leaving. Um, Savage, kind of the, the same way. You know, Savage is another one of the four captains, and he was unavailable through suspension because he decided to wrestle Ferran Torres at the end of the Barcelona game. Uh, it's, it's just a criminal lack of leadership. Um, and you mentioned Koke a moment ago, Sam, and you've been pretty critical of him, as have I this season. Talk to me about what you saw or more accurately didn't see from him on Sunday. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I didn't see him on the pitch almost. <laughs> I love I love Koke. I think he's a great player. I think yeah. he's really got what it takes. But I also feel like he's one of those players who is struggling a little bit post-World Cup, post... I mean, we have to think about how many games Koke has played, not only over the last 12 months or so, but I mean... Think about Koke's whole career. I mean, Koke burst onto the scene when he was a teenager. So, yeah, he's only 30, I think. That's his age now. But, I mean, when we think of a player who's 30, we're thinking they've kind of been playing week in, week out, every single match for, what, maybe eight, ten years tops. Koke's already been doing this for, what, 12 years almost. He's been playing almost every game for Atletico. And so that does take its toll. And I think with the World Cup, with the Euros, not that long before, you just wonder if physically that's starting to take its toll because I think he just looks that little bit off the pace, a little bit slow. And I also think that he doesn't necessarily fit into this Atletico team. And that's the thing with Koke is so often you're asked kind of, what is Koke's best role? And it's a difficult one to answer because he kind of does every role quite well, but doesn't look entirely comfortable. And I struggle to tell you, this is Koke's position. This is where you get the best out of Koke. And at the moment, he's kind of playing in this kind of almost a six, but not quite. But then he'll swap with Kondogbia and then he'll move forward and then he'll drop back again. And I just think that Koke, I mean, Koke kind of symbolises this Atletico Madrid in the sense that there's a bit of an identity crisis and this Atletico Madrid team doesn't know if it's playing with four at the back or three at the back, doesn't know if it's offensive or defensive, doesn't know if it should be pressing high or not. And Koke kind of symbolises that because if you ask me what position does Koke play this season, I'd probably tell you three or four different positions. Yeah, and same. I wouldn't say he's done particularly well in any single one of them. Yeah, um, he he's only he just turned thirty one, but he's got the legs on of someone who's in their late thirties. With he's heading toward the six hundred game mark, he'd be the first Atletico player ever to reach that um, after breaking out of Lardo's record earlier this season. Yeah, this this was uh, an asset earlier in Koke's career, Sam, was that he could play anywhere and he could do a little bit of everything. But now the the legs are starting to go. And he looks arguably better playing for Spain because Spain play a possession-based system. They Under Luis Enrique, they have been playing, or they were playing, now that he's no longer the coach, they were playing a, a narrow possession-based 4-3-3 with Atletico. We don't know what they're going to play. Um, it, it's a, a full-blown identity crisis. Um, it's, of course, been perpetuated by really weird signings that the club has made, but also not helping matters is that Simeone is, he looks confused. He looks like he's he's trying anything that will work. Um, that switch to the 3-5-2 at the half-hour mark was just disastrous. And then they try to revert. You know, Koke goes off at halftime for Barrios, who had a pretty good second half. Um, you know, Reggie Lone comes on and 
has he has been promising in his recent cameos, but then he gets sent off. Morata misses those chances. The Felipe for Correa sub absolutely made no sense to me because Atletico were they were well on top at that point in the game. And uh, throwing on Felipe just, just completely slows down the pace. Atletico were playing better with a higher tempo. Um, Marco Charente, probably the best player on the day. This was his best period of the game. But you throw on another defender. Uh, Saul comes on to do something ostensibly. He picked up a yellow card within 20 seconds of coming on. Uh, it's just really tough to see this happen to Saul, who had the world at his feet a few years ago, but now just looks kind of like an ex-footballer. And there you go. This is this is the Atletico side uh, that we've been watching for the last 18 months, really. And there could be more changes afoot, Sam. Um, reports uh, today, Tuesday, saying Atletico are pushing ahead to try to sign a Memphis Depay from Barcelona. It may or may not include Yannick Carrasco in the deal. What do we think of a mooted Carrasco for Memphis swap? Would it help? Would it hurt? Um, well, the first thing to say about this deal, I think, is that it says a lot about the board and what they're willing to do. I mean, I think the best way to look at this is Memphis Depay is, what, he's kind of the 19th, 20, 21st, best player at Barcelona, or most important player for Barcelona, at least. Hmm. I mean, he's barely had a look in all season. I mean, they think he's not good enough for them. He doesn't fit into their system, but also that he's not good enough for them. Okay, so then we go to Atletico Madrid, where maybe not so much this season, but definitely at the end of last season, I think every Atleti fan would have said that Carrasco is one of Atleti's three best players. Yep. And now we're willing to discuss a swap deal where we sell one of our three best players and swap him for somebody that Barcelona don't even want and whose contract is up in six months. I mean, I'd like to imagine that Barcelona would pay a fee as part of that at least, but I wouldn't put it past them to not. <laughs> and then you're just thinking, I mean, what is, I mean, that in itself is bad enough. And then we think that Mateus Cunha has been sold for 50 million euros. Jao Felix has gone out on loan and that's 11 million euros that have come in. I mean, Unless you've already earned 60 million euros, 61 million euros in this January transfer window. And they keep saying that we're not going to sign anybody. We're going to look to the bench. Um, we might bring in a striker, but we'll look to the sub players and the youth teams and so on. And just think, how, how does that add up? I mean, sure, there's going to be financial consequences of not progressing in the Champions League and so on. But that alone is just raises question marks. And then Yannick Carrasco, I feel like, Maybe it is better for Yannick Grasco to go because there's been a lot of talk all season about how he's felt betrayed by the board because they didn't offer him the contract renewal that was promised. And it definitely looks on the pitch like he's not entirely happy. The reports are that he desperately wants to go to Barcelona. And it's kind of very Yannick Grasco. I mean, he's a guy who's been at Atleti in two spells over a number of years. He's had some brilliant periods where I think for much of last season, he was Atleti's best player. But yeah, yeah, I still feel like when Yannick Carrasco leaves, he won't be missed. It won't be a sad moment for Atleti fans because he's just one of those players who's so up and down. It seems to depend so much on whether he wants to turn up and dominate a game or not. And a little bit like Jao Felix in that sense, I feel like it. Atleti lose by allowing him to leave, but at the same time, I'm not sure that they'd gain that much by keeping him. 
it means answer the question about where's the money going it's going into heel's pocket <laughs> uh you know this is one of the long-standing criticisms of the atletico board and i don't think we can really like simeone gets a lot of blame and a lot of criticism um but not all of it's justified. Some of it certainly is. He, the guy's been far from infallible this season or last season. Uh, you, you're at a, you're managing a, a, a team long enough. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to screw up. You know, Simeone's made mistakes, but he's still a living legend. Uh, we can't properly talk about why Atletico are playing like they're playing without having a conversation about why the board does what the board does. Um, and you know, it's not a coincidence that. Uh, Miguel Angel Gilmarin, the club's CEO and chief shareholder, not a coincidence that he has skyrocketed up the Forbes list during the pandemic, while uh, Andrea Berta last year says the days of big signings are over, right? The days of the star signings are done. You know, we're not going to spend much money. We're going to focus on renewing what we have and locking in what we have as these players get older, as these players demonstrate that they can no longer compete at the highest levels domestically or con or in a continental competition. Um so, yeah, it, you've been in the Champions League 10 straight years. Atletico clearly are not broke. Atletico have a lot of debt, but, you know, they have since the 1980s, since um, Miguel Angel's father was in charge of the club. Um, and, you know, now you have a situation. Oh, what, what was that? Jesus Hill was a whole other character. Oh, goodness. We, we really could do a couple of shows on it. Maybe we should. <laughs> it's like at some point toward the end of the season, maybe we should just do that um, and talk all about his reign uh, as, as Atleti's owner. But, you know, and now you have the, the club saying that we, we want, you know, the right deal, right? We want to sign players on loan or players who come for cheap. And that is primarily the, the appeal of Memphis, uh, According to Marca on on Tuesday, um, Barca wants 7 million euro for Memphis. Atletico are denying that Carrasco is going to leave the club this month, let alone to go to Barcelona. But Carrasco's agent on Tuesday confirmed that there are discussions taking place. He said there's nothing concrete. It may not come off, but Carrasco likes the idea of playing for Barcelona. Uh, I mean, from the Barca perspective, I'm not really sure why they'd want Carrasco. He turns 30 this year. He wants a pay raise. That's the whole reason why he's discontent you know, for his discontent at Atletico is that he didn't get the contract he wanted. Um, and if Atletico had really wanted to renew his contract and make him part of the next project, it would already have been done. So they clear Atletico clearly do want Carrasco to leave, even if they're not going to admit it publicly. But, you know, from Barca's point of view, I don't really know why they'd want him, given his age, his wages, the fact that he has one goal in 15 games this year, um, and, and, and the fact that he doesn't walk into that team as a starter. Yeah, I think he's a different kind of player for Barca. He's a little bit more defensively responsible than perhaps your Belan Torres or your Rafinha, your Osman Dembele. So mm -hmm. see why they might be interested from it from that point of view. But yeah, I mean... He's going to be, well, I mean, there's also the point that we say he wants a pay rise, but what for him is big money at Atleti, but Barcelona probably isn't such big money considering the wages that some of their players are. But yeah, I mean, I think it, that says it all. And going back to what you were saying about where the money's gone, and it's interesting because we were just talking about Coque and Saul and how they don't look like the players they were a few years ago, but the spine of this Atleti squad is pretty much the same as it was five, six years ago with Oblak, Jimenez, Savage, Coque, Saul, and then whoever appears to be in, in the attack, Antoine Griezmann maybe. And I think all of those players are not the same players they were five years ago. They're all five years older. They all look five years older. And they haven't been replaced in the spine of that team. And 
And the only one who has is is Antoine Griezmann, who left. We signed the replacement, and then Griezmann came back and his replacement left. Yeah, he's so re- I think replaced the replacement. Raise a whole lot of questions, but but Carrasco is one of those players who, yeah, I think long term he doesn't have a future at Atleti. Um, does this still particularly make sense? I'm not sure it does, but then are you going to get a better deal? Maybe that's what Aleti are thinking. Maybe they're thinking, look, we can get some money from Barcelona so that we can get Carrasco and then we can sign Memphis to buy basically for free and we can sell Memphis to buy on in a year or two because he is that little bit younger. He has got a big reputation. And I think one thing that Memphis to buy on his personal level will be thinking is, I can't do any worse than the guys that are there now. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't have to score that many goals to be Aleti's top scorer and be the guy who fixes the goal-scoring problem. No. So I think it's a deal that long-term, financially, we could look back on and say, yeah, Letty got that one right because Carrasco could go to Barca, barely play and end up leaving for free in a couple of years to go back to China or wherever. And Memphis Depay could do pretty well and Letty sell him on for big money in a few years. So, But at the time, it feels like the wrong... It doesn't feel like a fair swap. Yeah, at, at, the, at the present moment, it feels like Atletico are, are, again, just reacting to the market. It feels like Atletico don't really have a plan. And it makes you wonder, if not lose confidence, in the people running the club and how they're going to manage this rebuild. Because Atletico are obviously a squad in transition. It's a squad that needs a lot of new blood that was true last year. And it really doesn't make me at least comfortable that the people currently in charge quite know what they're doing <laughs> i mean um it, it, it would be kind of funny though and probably good business for atletico if you know I- incorporating the griezmann deal from earlier this season if atletico end up from barcelona getting griezmann memphis and let's say 15 million for carrasco i think atletico probably come out on top in that deal if you expand it to include griezmann yeah, we could expand it to include Luis Suarez and David Villa. And yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, uh, Suarez and, and Villa, of course, you know, key contributors to title-winning Atleti teams. Um, Barca should really stop, yeah, stop doing business Griezmann with us. As well, I mean, Griezmann, I mean, what was the end fee that Griezmann came back for? Was it 20 million or yeah. 40 million? I they, can't remember the they, exact fee, but... They agreed for 40 million and then got it knocked down to around 20, 22 million, which, you know, is a bargain considering how Griezmann's played this year. Yeah, I mean, I think if if we imagine that Griezmann had been an Atleti player all season, I can imagine that we'd be talking about much higher valuations for him, especially after his World Cup, where he was excellent. One of the players of the tournament for me. So I think that was a bargain deal and another one from Barcelona. But yeah, there's also... a a feeling that maybe the the luck will run out and not every forward that we sign from Barcelona will work out to be a great deal. Maybe Memphis Depay is that, that man. He's only played two games this year. 116 minutes in, in La Liga, one goal, and three shots attempted. He's barely played. Um, so this is also a, a gamble. Like He he, he would come in for, for cheap and possibly a, as part of a, a player swap, but he's barely played this year. So... He would have, and the pressure would be on him immediately, as you know, to either compete with Morata or supplant Morata in the starting eleven. Um, he would need half a dozen goals to be Atletico's top scorer. Um, you know, he he would need to hit the ground running if this deal does come to fruition. And reports in Spain this morning said that Atletico uh, have agreed uh, with Memphis on on personal terms. Uh, they've verbally at least agreed to a contract in twenty twenty five, so two and a half years. 
uh, for a 28-year-old longtime Dutch international with a really good track record, uh, speed, power, finishing. Uh, he's still in, in his prime, and maybe he is a candidate to be moved on in a year or two. Um, I would be surprised if Atletico seeded Carrasco in this particular deal, but certainly not if they find a buyer in the Premier League. And two other guys that I want to ask you about, Sam, are Saul and Rodrigo DePaul. Uh, reports, uh, one report the other day said Rael Vallecano asked for a reunion with Saul and how feasible it would be. His wages are said to be a stumbling block. How do you see the Saul and the Guest situation resolving itself uh, if it does at all in this window? I'm not sure it does. I think Saul, he's a player who who can play a role. I feel like for Diego Simeone, for Atletico, it's not too much of a problem to have him around because he is flexible, he is versatile, he can play in a few different positions. And you more or less know what you're going to get with Saul. It's not going to be groundbreaking or incredible at this point, but he's kind of steady, steady Eddie kind of player. And the other thing is, yeah, but who can afford his wages. And I think that's eventually going to come down to what he decides he wants to do because he's under contract until 2026. And there's still a long way to go in that contract, three years. And he is, I think, if he's not the best played LT player, he's definitely in the top three or four. And I mean, you know, he's kind of playing at a level that Raya Vallecano would be the kind of level that he should be at, kind of a mid-table La Liga team. A mid-table La Liga team can't afford even half of his wages. So that's a, a tricky one. I struggle to see that being resolved this month. Yeah, it was amazing that they were able to, you know, kind of work in Raul de Tomas's wages and bring him back from Espanol. Kind of wild how that worked. Maybe they do have another magic trick up their sleeve financially to afford Saul. And Saul would have to force it. Like, he would have to, you know, ask out and they'd have to come to some kind of solution over his wages. It will probably be an initial loan where Atletico would, would pick up part of the tab. Uh, man, that contract, it, it seemed like such a good idea at the time, Sam, when they signed, when they agreed to it in 2017. Like, he was 23. He was basically, a, had the world at his feet. Um, and just what's happened really since 2018, 2019, since the end of the 2018 World Cup, basically, it, it's just so sad to see him like this because he was all that you know, a few years ago. Yeah, I think anybody could have foreseen Saul's fall off. I mean, it's been incredible. I mean, almost as quick as he shot to, to the stardom, it's how quickly he's fallen away. And it's been horrific to watch. And I mean, you see people trying to, to pinpoint what happened or why he's gone wrong. People point to him becoming a vegan, for example, and you just think none of these things alone can explain it. I think there's a whole range of factors and, and maybe physically there's one factor but mentally there's a whole another factor and I think it's just a horrific case to watch and I mean it's a bit like Deli Ali in, in the Premier League at Everton and then he's gone to Turkey now the Besiktas that he's at that they don't want him anymore because he's so bad I mean around that same time we're talking about Saul Deli Ali as the midfielders who would be the best in the world for years to come and here we are that but neither of them are anywhere near that level now. And yeah, it's depressing to watch. But at that time, getting Saul on such a long contract seemed like incredible business from Atleti. Yeah. And now we're here saying that he's a bench option who can't really offer that much at all, even to this Atleti squad, which is weaker than the Atleti squad that 
there was at that time. Yeah, and really barely even that as a feasible bench option. Like the, the club didn't want him to come back. They were hoping, if not expecting, Chelsea to buy him last summer, but that was never really realistic or feasible given he didn't even walk into that midfield, uh, certainly not into that midfield. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, you're right. There is no one easy you know, answer to this. It, it's just so, it's so sad uh, to see the kind of player he's become. Uh, and, and Simeone, I think, sees some use for him. His defensive metrics have been pretty good this year, and he has offered value uh, in that respect. But you know, he's not going to be an offensive threat. He, uh, he's not a threat with the ball at his feet. Um, He's not good enough to play central midfield in this Atletico, which is crying out for a, a switchblade box-to-box central midfielder. He's not even fit enough to do that. I think if Carrasco leaves, there's probably a place for him at left back or left wing back. But you know, it's difficult to say if Carrasco is going to leave. It's also difficult to say if I'd like find a solution for Rodrigo DePaul. Uh, Simeone in the press conference today previewing Levante uh, was asked about DePaul. Uh, said he will be he will uh, be playing on Wednesday. He will start Wednesday. It'll be his first game in a month. So I'm not really sure what to expect. Um, but I I do expect that things are going to come to a head with DePaul really soon. Yeah, I was just reading a, an article the other day, which was saying that um, it was a reaction to kind of Argentinian fans being like, "What on earth is going on at Atletico Madrid?" That Rodrigo DePaul is one of the players of the World Cup came back and hasn't played a minute since and what's Diego Simeone thinking why is he treating him so badly and so on and they were pointing to that incident in October when he asked for some some extra time in Argentina after an international break because of family issues and then was pictured at an award ceremony with his girlfriend Trini in Miami and on a game day for Atletico and you think that I think that Diego Simeone now has kind of almost given up on him because I think when Rodrigo de Paul came, everybody knew kind of his reputation as not the how to put this without without sounding too harsh. Perhaps not the consummate professional sure. that maybe a Coque or a Saul is. And I think Diego Simeone maybe thought he could kind of tame him and get the best out of him, and he hasn't. I mean, off the field, Rodrigo de Paul since he came to Atletico is broken up with his his wife, left his family, got a new pop star girlfriend. Uh, I mean, just the other day, uh, I saw videos of him going around on social media, of him at a karaoke bar in Madrid, very enjoying himself, let's say. And I mean, all these kind of things are the things that the Diego Semini wouldn't want to see in one of his players. And, and maybe in some other cases it can be tolerated, but Rodrigo de Paul has never really shown on the pitch that that kind of desire or commitment either. And I think that was what's so so significant watching him with Argentina. And he just looks so committed and all these jokes about all the Leo Messi and, and all that kind of thing and their relationship. But he looks so motivated, so committed. And then you see him play for Atletico and he just looks like he's going through the motions and he has to do this because he has to get a wage and pay his rent at the end of the month and that kind of thing. And it's just crazy to see the difference in a motivated Rodrigo de Paul against Rodrigo de Paul that we see for Atletico but at the same time is that Diego Simeone's fault I'm not sure you can pin it on him but it just hasn't worked out at all and it was a signing that a lot of people were very excited by and and rightly so Uh, the solution is clearly to get Lionel Messi back here exactly the easy solution for Atletico is to sign Lionel Messi (laughs) and everything will be okay yeah yeah you know case closed 
That, that should that should do it. <laughs> um, it's an incredible insight and analysis from us, Jeremy. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> this is what they pay us the big bucks for. <laughs> yeah, DePaul is another player that there's no easy solution for. I mean, he's in his prime, 28, World Cup winner. Stock should be at an all-time high. But because of his off-field antics and because of his just kind of blah performances on the field of play, uh, the only suitors for him seem to be in Italy and Atletico are commanding a high fee, which they, you know, they're right to do. They like to make a profit on DePaul, and they'd like to benefit from the really solid World Cup he had, at least from the knockout stage on. He had a really good World Cup. Um, and it's a, a player who, on paper, has a lot to offer. You know, he covers every blade of grass, really good passing range, uh, can operate in the middle, can operate on the rights, uh, just a, at least at international level, a tremendous work rate. Um, and he's one of those guys, we were talking about this earlier, the lack of leadership in Atletico's squad. He's a guy who could, you know, you'd like to see him emerge as one of those leaders, someone who doesn't, you know, take, you know, doesn't take crap from anyone, you know, someone who will, will stand up to, you know, someone if they're harassing Griezmann or Correa, if they're, um, someone who gets in your face, someone who, who demands nothing but excellence. We haven't had figures like that since Gabby, since Raul Garcia, since Diego Godin since Juanfran, since Felipe, we don't have those leaders. Um, and DePaul seemed like, you know, he could kind of not playing like a knife with a knife through his teeth kind of figure. Uh, he himself yeah, said... Exactly he, what he was doing with Argentina, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. instead of being the first guy to go and get into a ruckus because somebody pulled somebody's shirt and that kind of thing. And at Atletico, he's a completely different figure. He's a passenger, a total passenger. And Atletico already have enough of those. Um, so I, I kind of think DePaul is going to be sold this month. If not this month, over the summer, uh, they will eventually make that decision on him because he, the, the, he's not popular with the fans either. That's also a strike against him that uh, when, when Atletico hosted Elche last month and they introduced the, the players who were in the World Cup final, you know, Griezmann got some applause, Correa and Molina got applause, DePaul was roundly whistled. Um, that's a problem that the fans don't have his back. Yeah, and I think that's a difficult thing to change and I'm struggling to see how he manages that now because, I mean, even coming back from the World Cup, I mean, he had the the muscle strain, or it a thigh strain, hamstring strain that he had. Yep. And, and I mean, this this is after literally all I've only seen for two weeks is videos of Rodrigo DePaul dancing, drinking, having the time of his life to then come back and say that you're not going to be available for the next two, three games because of a muscle strain is... is Difficult for Atletico fans to take, especially on top of everything else that has made them feel like, you know, we've, we've kind of carried you along to this World Cup to give you the game time to stay fit and everything. And, and you kind of laughed in our faces with all these things, with uh, asking for extra leave to go to a, an award ceremony, things like that. It's, it's difficult for Atletico fans to take, and I think even more Atletico fans than, than perhaps other fans would be because of the the way Atleti is, I mean, it's all about kind of the the hard work, the commitment, the we don't necessarily want the superstars, but we want players who will give their all, the kind of the Raul Garcia figures, so to speak, that you mentioned earlier, and, mm-hmm. and Rodrigo de Paul is the antithesis of that in, in every sense, and far more talented player than Raul Garcia ever was, but Raul Garcia will always be remembered much more fondly than, than Rodrigo de Paul will be. 
Absolutely. It's all about the character um, and the commitment and what and the dedication. And, you know, maybe the, the, the dancing and the partying is good for the thigh. You know, it's good for your muscle strain. So really work that out on the dance floor. Work that out in the club and with some karaoke. Yeah, well, so they drink in Argentina, they have drink, uh, and beer and all sorts in helicopters is probably the best treatment for uh, hamstring strain. Yeah, you know, that, that's what I've heard, you know, and, I, and I, I'm basically a doctor. Argentinian medicine. I yes. Can, I can imagine it working. Oh, man. Well, um, DePaul is still here, and he he is going to start on Wednesday against Levante. So let's uh, shift into into Copa del Rey mode, Sam. Atletico are in the last 16 of the Cup for the first time since 2019, seeking a first quarterfinal appearance since 2018. Um, Levante are the opposition because, of course, they are. We all know Atletico's record against Levante. It's not good. Um haven't beaten them in four tries. Levante were relegated at the end of last season, but that hasn't stopped us from playing them um, at the Ciudad de Valencia on Wednesday night. Uh, since appointing new coach Javi Caea, Sam, Levante haven't lost. Uh, nine wins and six draws in the league. They're currently third in Segunda, La Liga Smart Bank, and they have already beaten one top division team in the Cup this year, uh, courtesy of the 3-2 win against Tetafe, a 91st-minute winner from Wesley against Hetafe, uh, Saul Levante into the round of 16. So how do we see this game going on Wednesday? I mean, even beyond the fact that it's Levante, and it's Levante turning to 1970 Brazil when they play Atletico Madrid. <laughs> Levante are actually, I would say, one of the trickier draws in this round. I mean, yes, OK, they're Segunda. But, I mean, we were just discussing before we started recording, they haven't lost under Javi Calleja, Javi Calleja. The former Villarreal coach, who I think is a brilliant coach, and shop he's had to drop into Segunda, but I think he's a great coach, and and they haven't lost under him. I mean, they're they're flying. They're third in in Segunda. They've only lost three matches from twenty three in the league all season, and they're they're a tough team to beat. And I think even with all the other Primera teams in in this draw, I would have rather drawn, you know, a, a Mallorca and Espanyol. Um, a team like that rather than Levante because they are a typical team in the first division really low on confidence up against a team in the second division who are really high on confidence more or less the same level maybe not in this sense in terms of the quality I think Atleti have far more quality but Levante have the mental factor perhaps and I think it's going to be a really difficult game I watched Levante's game against Granada at the weekend and I think there are the kind of defensive lapses that Atletico, if they do their job, should be able to see this this through. That too much of an issue, but it is a strong Levante team. I mean, a lot of the players that, that stood out when they were still in, in Primera are still there. I mean, they've obviously got Jose Campana, who, who's an excellent midfielder, to keeps things ticking over there, and I can imagine he can cause some problems. Jorge de Frutos, the, the winger who's been linked with a lot of Primera clubs in the summer, and he's still kind of playing at very high level. So, I mean, Levante certainly have things that could cause problems. Yeah, they lost Enes Bardi, who went to Trabzonspor in Turkey. Uh, they also lost uh, Gonzalo Melero, who went to Almeria following relegation. But yeah, Campania staying there was, um, was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I think there were rumours linking him to Sevilla at one point in the summer, which didn't quite come off, and probably better for him in that sense. 
I mean, the other guy who they have, who is almost inevitable that he will score the injury time winner, is Roberto Soldado, who I think he must be about 63 years old by now. But <laughs> Bobby still, Soldier. Still yeah, Bobby, yeah. so he's 37. I just he's 37? not quite 63, but wow. 37 years old. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, he, he he's he's going to be a, a contender to, to score a winning goal tomorrow, isn't he? 100%. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be one of those games, I think. I don't think it will be an easy cup tie. I mean, Real Oviedo, we, we had similar conversations about, oh, it won't be easy, but I think in the end, everybody is expecting Aleti to get through that one unscathed. In this case, I'm not entirely sure it's going to be quite so easy. Yeah, if for no other reason, Sam, than Atletico's history against Levante. Uh, Atletico have not beaten Levante away since 2020, but that game uh, during the pandemic, uh, that game did not take place at the Ciudad de Valencia. Uh, you got to go back to November of 2017 uh, for the last time Atletico won at Levante. That was a 5 0 win. Uh, two goals from Gamero, two from Griezmann. Um, for that really shock result, given Atletico's uh, more recent history against Levante, who just lo- have loved to play the role of spoiler, uh, derailed Atletico's title challenge in 2016, very nearly derailed the title challenge, uh, title challenge in 2014 and in 2021. So yeah, this will be a-, a tricky game if for no other reason than Atletico's history with this particular opponent. Um, but you know, it's these. There's now a whole division separating these two sides. Um, but Le- Levante are, are high on confidence, um, and they do have. Uh, the home the home field advantage. Uh, Atletico have been pretty good on their travels this season and will need to do so again. A possible front three that will include uh, Marcos Llorente tomorrow, Sam. And I wanted to ask you about this earlier, but just plum forgot. Uh, Llorente was really good at the weekend against Almeria. Uh, scored against Oviedo in the last cup game. Do we think he's finally rounding back into form? Uh, is, he, he's, is he starting to resemble the player that helped Atletico win the league in 2021? I think so. I think this is the best we've seen Marco Llorente for a long time and it's great to see it because I think he is one of those players in the Atletico team who if you're going to look at a single man to bring them out of this rut, I feel like Marco Llorente at his best is is one of those very few players who have that natural level of talent and I think getting the best out of him is crucial. Not, I just hope that the board don't get the wrong idea and try and sell him in the summer. I feel a good couple of months up to the end of the season but I think he's crucial and he is one of the very few players in this squad that you would say look we can build a squad around this guy around his talent for the next five ten years because I mean, he is kind of coming into the prime the peak of his career and i'm not sure we can say that about too many of atleti's kind of regular starting players in terms of age in terms of profile or even in terms of form and confidence so i think he is a a big player for atleti and having him back in form which he certainly has been in the last couple of weeks is is huge. The eleven that it seems likely to take the uh, the pitch at the Ciudad de Valencia tomorrow is Oblak in goal, Molina and Reynildo at the fullback positions, uh, Savage and Hermoso in the middle of defense, a midfield three of DePaul, Canogbia, and Pablo Barrios, and then the front three of Llorente and Antoine Griezmann either side of Alvaro Morata. Um, I like that eleven. It, it's good that there will be a reference point there. It, it's hard to hard for Correa because he did play well. Um, on Sunday and scored, and you'd like to keep the hot hand whenever you can. But I think Urente in a front three is a that's maybe the ideal role for him. Sam is this kind of attacking uh, right sided winger, um, 
well, and we'll see how DePaul plays into this. We'll we'll see what his role is on Wednesday. But I like that front three, and it'll be a tough game either way. But I'm going to stick my neck out and project the uh, Atleti get the win here. Yeah, I think that's what we have to predict, right? I mean, fingers crossed that that's the case. But I think I think Atleti can just about scrape it through, and and then we're talking about. Um, Kind of the, the final stages, the quarterfinals, and that is, is pretty exciting given that it's pretty much all we have to be excited about between now and the end of the season. Yeah, it's something, you know, uh, a cup elimination at this point with what the vibes are around the club and, and really what, what they have been for the last 18 months, largely the last two seasons. You know, a, a cup elimination now, ugh, that would be really tough knowing all you have to compete for is La Liga and, you know, top three is looking unlikely. It's going to be fourth or bust for Atletico, really. Yeah, and also because I think the Copper is uh, a winnable competition. I mean, Real Madrid have a very tough draw against Villarreal away. Yep. I mean, lost that in the league just um, last week. So, I mean, they could certainly go out there. Barcelona are going to have their eyes focused on the, the league and trying to get that league title back because that's so important. Maybe even a Europa League run for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Real Madrid with the Champions League as well even if they do get through then the team is like Villarreal, Betis, Real Sociedad that they're going to be fully focused on that top four race as well and then you're looking at kind of Valencia Athletic. I mean I think this is a Atletico none of the big big dogs have gone out just yet and I mean you know you could draw Atletico against Barcelona in the quarterfinals and then forget about it but I feel like there is the potential that things could fall into place for Atletico to go in a good cup run. Yeah, what what do you make of um, what's going on right now at Real Madrid, the eternal rivals? Uh, hasn't been great for them since the start of the new year. Uh, a slim win in the round of 32 uh, of the cup, a loss to Villarreal, Valencia took him to penalties in the Supercopa, and then Barcelona just smashed him in the final uh, in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I think they've been riding the wave of luck for a little while now. I think last season we saw that. I mean, that Champions League run last season where, as Atleti fans, it was incredibly frustrating to watch where every game it looked like they were going to go out until the last minute of injury time or of extra time where they'd somehow salvage it. But I think that's kind of also indicative of the problem that it's a squad which is older, it's a squad which hasn't necessarily evolved. I mean, we think of Real Madrid, I mean, their spine is still kind of Danny Carvajal, certainly isn't getting any younger. Then you've got Luka Modric, Tony Cruz, Karim Benzema. I mean, these are players who are certainly past their best. And then with the World Cup thrown in there as well, for players like Luka Modric, I think it's just pushed them one step too far. Then there's also the players like Vinicius, who are just, I mean, Vinicius is a player who is either a world beater or a complete waste of space at the moment. He's among one of those waste of space spells. And also it's just that kind of dip that we've seen from them many times in the past where they're incredible at the start of the season and then fade away in this January-February period but then come back strong again in in April-May. So maybe it's too soon to, to speak. But I feel like, yeah, maybe this is kind of the finally the time when Real Madrid can't push their luck anymore and they will be punished for not signing that other centre forward that isn't Karim Benzema and, and they can't just rely on Fede Valverde becoming a Ballon d'Or winner in overnight again. 
Yeah, no, so I think it's, it's a tough period for Real Madrid, especially with the fixtures they have coming up as well. Yeah, I mean, knowing Madrid, it's not impossible that Valverde just emerges into that kind of player. He certainly looked like it the first few months of this season. But yeah, this with Madrid, it's always a matter of you know individual brilliance, right? It's a club that is... This is going to sound bad, but I don't mean it in a bad sense. It's a club run more by the players than really anywhere else in the world. Um, and that has a ton of advantages as we've seen in the champions league and in la liga um but it also comes with with some disadvantages because a coach doesn't have the kind of power to impose a structure to impose a plan a long-range plan um at, at the club um i think madrid in recent years have become more interested in long-term thinking some of the players they've purchased some of the players they've been linked with um but yeah this is a they're still relying on Danny Carvajal and Carvajal hasn't been good in like three years uh Fairlawn Mundy, Mundy is not the kind of left back that they need they really need someone capable to compete with Benzema but who's out there on the market that you know they can sign to realistically battle him for minutes he's the reigning Ballon d'Or winner yeah, and I mean, also just looking at the the Super Cup final, I mean, to bring up Eduardo Camavinga at half time, I think he was probably the best midfielder that they had in that first half to bring him off. And, and that can only be because Carlo Ancelotti didn't want to take off Luka Modric or Tony Cruz at half time. And yep. I think that kind of says it all with the challenges that they face. And I mean, Atletico's midfield is off the pace, but I mean, I'd rather have Koke at 31 looking a little bit slower than Luka Modric at. <laughs> At 37 or however old he is now after the World Cup and everything because it really does feel like maybe this is is one push too far for him. Yeah, I mean, what Modric is doing and already has done really doesn't have many parallels in the history of the sport at, at 37 and still playing at this level. Like at some point, you know, Father Time is undefeated. At some point, time is going to catch up with them. We'll say all this, and now you know exactly what's going to happen, Jeremy. Levante will humiliate Atletico Madrid, and then Real Madrid will destroy Villarreal, and Luka Modric will be incredible, and, and Danny Carvajal will come back from injury and be the rest, best right back in the world for a few months. Yeah, I've, I've seen this movie before. I'm under no illusion. How many times have we said it before? No, Karim Benzema's too old, he's not good enough, uh, Luka Modric is going to be too tired. Yeah, it always happens, doesn't it? In the the current football manager save that I'm running, um, I'm in 2026, Benzema's 38 and has like 14 goals in the league still. And is Luka Modric still starting every game? Modric is still there. He's over 40. He's still there. Not not starting, not really playing as much, but he's still around. One day he'll be player coach and be starting himself when he's 55 years old. We can all Roberto Soldado in the lineup and... Man, I, that's wild that he's 37. Wow. I, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around that. But yeah, he's been around a, a long time. Well, from the Atletico point of view, let, let's hope that that doesn't come back to bite the Colt Chineros tomorrow. And we are going to leave it there in the meantime. Sam Leverage, thank you so much for hopping on the show today. A pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. You can find us both on Twitter. You can read our work at Into the Calderon. Uh, Colt Chinero Chat Amigos at patreon.com slash Colt Chinero Chat. Get access to special Bonus programming, including instant analysis after every Atletico match. Uh, we will be back after the Levante game to talk about the Copa del Rey preview via delete at the weekend. Thank you all for listening. Until then, adios.